Hello, and welcome to the River Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is that you feel His love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. If you've got your Bibles, don't mind me with this Ricola in my mouth. If I really get to preaching, you might get the recall in your mouth. <laughs> I love these recolas. They remind me when I was a little boy in Switzerland. Playing with Heidi and Grandpa. God for these recolas. If you've got your Bibles, go with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. If I get to really smacking on this thing, tell me, because that'll sound gross through the mic. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. Of course, you can read it on the screen, but I always have to read it in my Bible. Anybody like to see it in your Bible? And the word says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, we found out about that a couple weeks ago, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. If the devil comes knocking on your door, just tell him, no, you may not. Whom resist steadfast, how do you resist him? In the faith, on what you know is true, not on what you feel at the time. Knowing, now look at this, knowing that the same afflictions, somebody say afflictions, that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect. Establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray real quick, and we're going to break this verse down a little bit and just see where God takes us. Father, thank you again for today, and thank you for this word. Father, I pray that I have heard you. I pray today that you would help me, that I would share your heart with the heart of the people, that I would move out of the way, and that I would preach your word and not mine, and that I would say what you are saying to your church to the lost, to the world. Help me to give myself over to you completely that I am a man possessed of the Holy Ghost. That I am yielded to you as a vessel that you could flow through me and minister to these, the hearers today. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to try not to spend a whole lot of time just on this verse. And then we'll work our way down through uh, a few thoughts that I want to share. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. You know, people that exalt themselves, they have their reward. 
if people want to show themselves great, then whatever they're able to get, whatever attention they're able to get, whoever they're able to convince, that is their reward. But if we will humble ourselves in the sight of God, the Bible says that God will exalt us. The first will be last, and the last will be first. It's a lot better to go high by getting down low than to try to elevate yourself on a false foundation of the praises of men that will crumble and leave you with nothing. This really has nothing to do with the message today, but it's in the verse. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. You could take these verses, and you could preach for hours, really, on every single point. This is an earful. This is a whole lot that Peter put in this letter. Cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. We go around and we carry all of our worries. We go around and we carry all of our stress as if we do not have help. But the Bible says he cares for you. Sometimes the things we say in church, we say so often that it, it, seems, uh, it seems trite when we say it. It seems to have no weight. But simply... We need to remember that God is actually interested in us. That God's people are the apple of his eye. God loves you. And God cares about the small stuff. Somebody say, God cares about the small stuff. If it matters to you, it matters to God. Have you ever had the kids come to you and they're, they're freaking out over a math assignment for the next day? And you have bigger fish to fry. You have bigger stuff to worry about, and you know what they don't know. You know that the math assignment right this second is not as big of a deal as they are freaking out like it is. But guess what? To them, that assignment feels just like your taxes. And we have to remember, if it matters to our kids, it matters. It should matter to us. Not by the way we're looking at it simply from the bigger picture, but we remember their perspective. We've got to remember where they're looking from. So guess what? Do we have some things in our life? Do we have some problems that maybe in the light of eternity, maybe they're not as big of a deal as we suppose that they are? But we have a high priest that is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And because you care about it, God cares about it. God from heaven looking at it says, I know this is not that big of a deal. But because God loves you, God will come and get involved. I don't care what you're going through today. I don't care what you're facing. Uh, so many times we say, within ourselves, and I've actually heard people say, I don't want to bother God with that. You are never a bother to God. God desires fellowship with you, and God is waiting to hear from you, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober. Be vigilant. We need to be operating with a clear mind. We need to be paying attention. A lot of times we are not operating soberly because we have our mind on all the cares of this world and all the busyness of the office and everything going on around us. And uh, too many times they are first world problems. While people in the Ukraine, come on somebody, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The lion, the devil as a lion, is looking to find vulnerability. Yeah. He is looking to find any open spot where he can get in. It's funny how different people are shaken by different things. The thing that bothers me, you might think it's silly. That might not bother you at all. 
You think, man, why does that rattle his cage so bad? Like, this is not that big of a deal. The devil doesn't care about the outward issue. The devil is looking for vulnerability so he can get in your ear and start telling you that God's word is not true. The devil is looking to sow discord among the brethren. The devil is looking to get in any open door he can to divide you from the people that care about you and to divide you from the faith that you have that God said, come on, I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Amen? Whom resists steadfast in the faith? How do we resist the devil? We resist the devil with the armor of God. We resist the devil with what we know is true. Instead of looking at our feeling that we're going through in the situation, we say, this is what it feels like. Uh, it feels like God is a, mil uh, is a million miles away. But what I know is true is that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It feels like I am losing. But God's word says that we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. It may feel like I'm being overcome, but the word says I overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of my testimony. It may feel like that which is coming against me is bigger than I am, but the word says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We resist him in the faith. Somebody shout faith. We resist. That was a good shout back there. We resist the enemy by absolutely declaring what God's word says instead of the circumstance. Don't care what it looks like. Don't care what it sounds like. Don't care what it feels like. By his stripes, I am healed. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I am blessed and not cursed. I am blessed going in and I'm blessed coming out and I'm blessed in the field and I'm blessed in the basket and I'm blessed in the storehouse. I am blessed, blessed, blessed. I agree with the word of God. I let the confession of my mouth agree with what thus saith the Lord. And the communication of my faith becomes effectual, Titus says. Let the communication of your faith become effectual. Let the voicing of your faith start to affect things that are affecting you. If something's affecting you, you start affecting it. Turn the tables. Whom resists steadfast in the faith? That's how you resist. That's how you overcome. That's how you conquer. That's how you defeat. That's what you do. You do it in the faith, knowing this, knowing this, the same afflictions, the same stuff you're going through, the same hurt that you have felt, the same heartbreak you've experienced, the same type of loss, the same trauma, the same tragedy are accomplished in your brethren all through the world. Rose and I were talking about this yesterday. Whenever you've seen the, the new uh, Geico commercial, you know, with the gecko, the Geico gecko, and he's standing on the restaurant table talking to the lady, and uh, she's, she's telling him, she's like, uh, well, I took a, a survey on the Internet, and it turns out I'm an introvert. And he said, oh, he said, I am too. And she said, no, no, it's extremely rare. And they had this little dialogue going back. And I said, this commercial is funny because it's true. Everybody thinks their problem is so special. Everybody thinks they're so unique, so special. Nobody else has what I have. Nobody else is hurt. Like, no, I'm an introvert. You're not in it. You couldn't understand this. Whatever you got, they got it worse. Whatever you have, they have it bigger. 
You could not possibly relate to their type of loneliness. You've never been through the type of divorce they've been through. You've never had anybody leave you the way that they were left. I know that your whole family died, but you weren't close to them like I was close to this person. What are we doing? We're really elevating our problem. We're really making our problem bigger than our God. And so Peter reminds us. He said, you need to know this. Somebody grab your neighbor and say, you need to know this. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren around the world. Peter is politely saying, you ain't special. You don't have anything somebody else didn't already have. You're not going through anything that somebody else has not already been through. Come out on the other side, got the mug and the T-shirt. The same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren in all the world. But the God of all grace. He says, you got problems, but the God of all grace. He said, you might be hurting, but the God of all grace. You may have been traumatized, but the God of all grace. Your heart may be broken in a million pieces, but the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while, he'll make you perfect. He will establish you. He will strengthen you. He will settle you. There's four promises. You're going to be perfected. You're going to be established. You're going to be strengthened, and you're going to be settled. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, here's what I want to look at today. He's listing these problems. He's listing these troubles. He's listing these afflictions. And he says, you have these afflictions? And he says, and everybody in the world got these afflictions. He said, everybody's got problems. Everybody's got stuff. Anybody have any trouble right now? Anybody going through anything right now? Anybody could use some more money right now? Anybody got anybody lying on you right now? Just keep it somewhere else. I'll just keep my hand up. He says, yeah, you and everybody. You and everybody. And then he said this. He says toward the end of the verse there, but the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, he will snap his fingers instantly, and you will not have any of those troubles or think about him again. He didn't say that at all, did it? That was from the DJV instead of the KJV. He said, God is just going to wave a wand, and you'll, you'll never even know that it happened. You won't hurt anymore. I got to be honest. I'm not crazy about all the Bible promises. But here's one. After you suffered a while. After you suffered a while. I'm, I'm reading you the Bible. Don't shoot the messenger. After you've suffered a while, he'll make you perfect. After you've suffered a while, he'll establish you. After you've suffered a while, he'll strengthen you. After you've suffered a while, he'll settle you. And to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So this past week, you know, I told you a while back, I've been reading this chronological Bible, and uh, I think I'm up to like uh, January 6th. So I've been reading about Joseph, and Joseph is one of my favorite people to read about in the Bible. I love, I love Genesis and Exodus because they're, they're narrative, they're storytelling. And then I uh, skip uh, Leviticus through Malachi and go to Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. 
Oh, wait, no, I read Ruth and Esther, too. Those are good stories. Jonah, that's a good story. I just read all the stories, and then, you know, I don't really care who begat. And... Anyway, I've been reading in Genesis about Joseph. I love reading about Joseph. And I have to tell you that the Bible stories are the, 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 the classic Bible stories, Sunday school are so important. You know, we got, we got some kiddos in here that don't know the Bible stories. We got grown-ups that might not know all the Bible stories. And it is such a wealth of wisdom. We need to know about Daniel and the lion's den. We need to know about Noah and the ark. We need to know about Jonah and the great fish. We need to know all of these stories. First of all, they're more than just stories. The Bible is one story. It is the story of the family of God. It's important. It's important. But these stories, they have practical life wisdom, but they also paint the prophetic picture of Jesus. The entire Bible points to an old rugged cross, a blood-stained banner on Golgotha's hill where the Son of God... Died for all of us. I've been reading about Joseph. In Joseph, Joseph was the golden child in his family, kind of like I am in my family. She ain't even here, is she? <laughs> it don't matter. Joseph was the, Joseph was his father's prize, and his brothers didn't like it. And we don't have time today to go into all the details of all the story, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just give the little refresher course. Joseph had a dream about the sun and the moon and the stars and all of them bowing down, prophetically was bowing down to him and uh, a stalk of grain, and then 12 more around him. He was the one, and the others were his brothers, and they bowed down to him. You maybe shouldn't always tell everybody your dreams. So he told them, they said, what do you think? We're going to bow down to you? And his dad, Israel, said, what, what do you think? Me and your mother are going to bow down to you? And so he, he has these dreams, and then they start a series of events his brothers hate him for it. They decided to kill him. And uh, I think it was Reuben said, don't kill him. Don't kill him. And Reuben had them throw him in a pit, and he was going to go rescue him. But before he got back, they had sold him to a, a band of Egyptians coming through. And they sold their little brother. Now, he was barely even grown. In his teens, he's a young man. And so they sell him. And then these slave traders go back to Egypt. And they, they put him up on a, a sail block, and they sell him as a slave. And he's purchased by Potiphar, one of the rulers in Egypt. And Potiphar takes him into his home as his slave and servant. Well, God begins to bless him and gives him favor. And Potiphar ends up entrusting him with all of his house. Now, Mrs. Potiphar had something else in mind for young Joseph. <laughs> and over and over again tried to get Joseph to come and lie with her, whom he resisted over and over and over again. And said, my master Potiphar has given all into my hand, everything but you. How would I, how would I do this to him? And the more he resisted, the more that she desired him and was after him. And so one day this plays out again, and he tells her no, and he actually runs to get away from her. Some of us need that kind of sense. Come on. When the devil presents you with something, you would be smart to run to get away from it. And as he's running, she tried to catch him. And all she caught was his coat, his amazing Technicolor dream coat. 
or something like that. And so he takes off running, and as she grabs him and, and grabs his coat, his coat is left behind in her hand. She screams out. Well, the guards hear her scream, so they come running in. What happened? Well, here she is in this embarrassing situation, so she's quick on her feet. She says, Joseph came in and tried to lie with me, but I didn't do it, but I can prove it because here's his coat. Anybody ever do something squirrely to you and then say that you did what they did? So Potiphar comes home. Well, who does he believe? Throws Joseph into prison. So this guy's had a rough few months, you know? And now he's thrown into prison. And not the nice part either. But the captain over the prison begins to take note of Joseph's excellence in the way that Joseph handled the bad situation. And Joseph's honesty and his integrity and his operation under pressure. And God begins to grant Joseph favor with the captain. And the captain builds a relationship with Joseph and puts him in charge. He's a prisoner, but he got it the best anybody in there. Over and over and over again. And then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, he has a little problem with his butler and with his baker. He was okay with the candlestick maker, but the... But the butler and the baker, some little squirmish. I don't know what happened. So he threw him into prison. And so they are there with Joseph, old dreaming Joseph. His whole life's full of dreams. Well, the two of them had dreams. On the same night, they each had, had a dream. And you can go back and read all of it later, but they, they want to know the interpretation of the dream. And Joseph said, I serve the God that can interpret dreams. He's the God of dreams. He's the God that speaks in dreams. He said, I can tell you what it, what's going to happen. So the butler told his, and the baker told his, and he said, well, he said, both your dreams mean three days. He said, in three days, he said, you're going to be restored and be back in the palace. He said, oh, I turned that bass up for the dance party yesterday, and now they are bumping in kids' church. We can deal with that, right? So anyway, uh, I forgot what I'm talking about. Oh, he says, three days. He said, in three days, you're going to be restored and be back in the palace. He said, and in three days, he's going to kill you. And that's exactly what happened. So he tells uh, which one was restored and which one died. Anybody remember? We'll say it was the baker. The cupbearer. Well, one of them was a butler and one of them was a baker. So I don't know. The butler was the cupbearer. All right. So he says, butler, he says, please do this. When you are restored, don't forget me. Take care of your boy. Care of your boy. He said, go and tell Pharaoh. Go and tell Pharaoh. So it said in three days, the butler was restored and forgot about Joseph. And forgot about Joseph. And so Joseph continued to be there. Well, some years down the road, Pharaoh has a dream. And he needs it to be interpreted. And all of the magicians of the court could not interpret it. And all of the wise men could not interpret it. And all the king's horses and all the king's men and Humpty Dumpty could not interpret it. He tried everybody. And the butler says, hey, wait a minute. I had something like this happen before. He said, Pharaoh, you remember when you threw me in prison for those three days? He said, I met a guy in the prison who told me exactly what the dream meant, and I was going to be restored, and you were going to hang the other guy. He said, he can interpret your dream. And so Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the, on the entire earth at this point, says, call for him. And Joseph interprets the dream and saves the land of Egypt and then Pharaoh promotes Joseph and says, you will be as great, all of your power, all of your rule. He said, you will only be second to my name. Wow. 
but you'll have the same power I do, except I'm still the boss. So from this family of shepherds and liars who are despised by the Egyptians, and now he is promoted. So when I'm reading this the other day, I said, wait a minute. Joseph was hated, rejected by his own family. That wasn't fun. He was thrown into a pit. He's down there, and he's by himself. And the next thing that happens is when he's drawn from the pit, it's to be sold into slavery. Then he's purchased by the Egyptian Potiphar. Now, remember, this is essentially happening to a kid who's never been away from home, who was raised in a great family where he was the prize of the family. His dad loved him. And then he's lied about by Potiphar's wife, falsely accused of doing what she was actually trying to do. And then he's thrown in prison. We don't really have a lot to complain about. And all the time, I cannot imagine how alone somebody would feel and your dad that loves you back home believes you're dead because your brothers said that you were ripped up by a wild animal because they killed a goat and put the blood on his coat and took it back and said, Dad, is this Joseph's coat? We found it. Talk about rejection. Anybody ever dealt with rejection? doesn't feel good. You can go through rejection as a kid. Last your whole life, that feeling. And you'll believe you're being rejected even when people are accepting you. You will start treating all of the people in your life through the lens of what one nut job did. This is why people that have been abused and then get into another relationship without getting the help that they need, they now treat the good person the same as the abuser, believing that that person is no different. But talk about rejection. Talk about feeling alone. A young man hardly grown, a stranger in a foreign land by himself. And then this thought Pastor Vince hit me. God never stopped these things from happening to him. God did not prevent his brother's lies. God did not prevent the pit. God did not prevent the slavery. God did not prevent the lie, the false accusation. Am I talking to anybody? God did not prevent the prison. God did not prevent his only lifeline from forgetting him when he had blessed him. Every time, Every time one of these things happened, God did not prevent it. But when he was thrown into another pit, and when he encountered another bondage in another prison, God did not prevent it, but God did promote him. Every time God promoted him, and every time God gave him favor... God did not keep Joseph from getting into trouble, but he always kept trouble from getting into Joseph. You see, it's not the water around the ship that sinks the ship. It is the water that gets into the ship. And you might be sailing on...
on stormy seas right here in this season of your life. But hold on, because Jesus is in the lower part of the boat. Don't be afraid about what's outside, but put your faith in who is on the inside. All that is around you, this old world is crazy, and it's going to keep on turning. The Bible says all that can be shaken will be shaken. But you know what's not going to shake when everything else falls off? It will be the solid rock that is higher than I, that firm foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Build your house not on the sand. Build your house not on some gravel, but build your house on the rock. Because you cannot shake Jesus. Joseph in every season, Joseph through every lie, Joseph through every bondage, and Joseph through every imprisonment, he never acted any different. He never began to complain and begin to sulk. He, he never began to doubt God. He kept his faith. He honored God the whole time in the midst of the trouble. And God said, I can work with that. We do not preach a gospel that ends your trouble. We preach a gospel that you are never alone regardless of your trouble. Psalm 46 and 1. God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in trouble. God is our help in trouble. You see, we can't eradicate trouble because we can't eradicate people. You can do everything you're supposed to do. You can believe everything you're supposed to believe. You can embrace everything you're supposed to embrace. You can confess everything you're supposed to confess. But that doesn't mean your neighbor's going to. And sadly, although you are covered, although you are not alone, we will still be affected. We still feel it. We still have it presented. It hurts. Life still hurts, and we're not above it. But God is our refuge and strength in the trouble. If you came to this thing to figure out an answer how to not have problems, I need to recommend a different church. And if you go there and they do have the answer, come back and tell me, and I'll start preaching that thing. Don't get a false faith that says, if I'll do what God wants me to do, everything will be like I want it to be. Because when you do that and you still have trouble, you're going to end up blaming God and running from him. When his book said, think it not strange when these things happen, brethren. When this book says the same afflictions are occurring and accomplished in all your brothers in the world. When this book said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver you out of them all. But you're going to have trouble and you're going to have problems, but we've got to learn what to do with it. Proverbs 18 and 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and we are safe. You see, that's the difference between us and the world. The world has trouble and they're falling apart. I have trouble in keeping my right mind. I have trouble. They have trouble and they're in danger. I have trouble, but I am still safe because the shepherd of my soul is watching over me. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 11. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. All right, here it comes. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. I can have all the, the problem and not be stressed. We are perplexed. We don't understand, but we're not in despair. Some people talking about taking their own life because of it. I said, whoa, whoa, it's not about all that. I don't understand. But I still got Jesus. 
We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We are cast down, but we're not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus in order that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest through our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. There is no miracle in you having peace when you don't have any problems. There is no faith in you singing God's praises if your whole life is perfect. The miracle of the Christian's victory is not that we don't go through stuff. It's that we do. Come on, somebody. The miracle is not that we don't go through. The miracle is that we do go through. We go through stuff, and we just keep on going through. We go right through it, and it still can't get a hold of us. It doesn't have the same effect on us that it has on other people. This is why Paul told the Philippians, he said, be anxious for nothing. He said, let your moderation be known. Calm, cool, and collected. He said, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. When they see you not tripping, they say, what do they have? Now, if they see you not going through anything, then they don't even like you. But when they see you having the same problems that they have, but you've got it together, they run to you and say, I notice you're getting through this. Can you tell me the secret? You say, Jesus, I noticed that you had a heartache like I've got. I noticed that you went through the divorce. I noticed that you lost some money. I noticed that your kid had this problem, but you're still smiling. What is the secret? The secret is I've got joy on the inside. I've got peace on the inside. I'm not looking to the outside to make me feel better. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Come on. I've got Jesus on the inside. I have this treasure in earthen vessels. I'm like a Timex. I take a licking and keep on ticking. I'm like the Energizer Bunny. I just keep going and going and going and going. I've got problems, but problems don't have me. 2 Corinthians 12 and 7. Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. Paul says, I've been given an abundance of revelations. It would be really easy to get puffed up. He said, lest I be exalted above measure. Something happened. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Everybody says, what was, what was Paul's thorn in the flesh? What was it? He says it right here. The messenger of Satan sent to buffet me. Now you know. You never have to wonder again what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. It was a messenger of Satan. It, it, was, a, it was an oppression from a demon spirit lest I should be exalted above measure. He said, I had this, this affliction. I had this attack. I had this thing messing with me, coming against me, because I was getting too prideful. You see, you can live through an attack, but you'll be destroyed if you get prideful. I can make it through what the devil does, but I'll lose my life over being puffed up with pride. I'll lose my witness over being puffed up with pride. I'll lose my ministry over being puffed up with pride. Pride goes before a fall. He said, for this thing, he hated this affliction. He hated this. He said, for this thing, I besought the Lord thrice. Isn't that a great word? Thrice. <laughs> he says, 
for this thing, I sought the Lord three times. I went to the Lord, still had the problem. I went to the Lord, still had the problem. Went to the Lord, still had the problem. That it might depart from me. But here's what God said. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. God, will you take this away? God, will you take this away? God, will you take this away? God, I'm weak and I don't like it. God, I'm frail and it hurts. God, I'm trembling and I can't stand it. God, would you take this away? And finally, God answers and says, here's your answer. I got grace. And my strength is going to be made perfect by you going through this weakness. Now, some of us at that point would throw a fit and would throw a tantrum and say, I quit. I'm not going back to that church. I never even liked those people or that preacher that thinks he's so funny anyway. I quit. I quit. But that's not what Paul said. When God told Paul, Paul, sorry, not sorry, Paul said, ah, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. I take pleasure in reproaches. I take pleasure in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. When God answered Paul, Paul said, oh, is that how it works? I can just. <laughs> uh, God, will you get rid of this problem? God says, uh, actually, the problem's going to make you. Oh, I didn't know that. Thank you for this problem. If this problem means your power, give me the problem. I'll go through it. If it means that you will increase and I will decrease, I'll take it. I'd rather be with you in the storm than in peace without you. I'd rather be in trouble with the presence of God than on a beach island somewhere without the presence of God. Where you're going, I'm going. Where you live, I'll live. Where you stay, I'll stay. But don't separate me from the ark of the presence. Don't separate me from the glory. I just want to be wherever Jesus is. That the power of Christ, boy, that recall is working good. That the power of Christ may rest upon me for when I am weak, I'm strong. God, will you take it away? I'll give you the grace to go through it. The road might get dark, but I got joy for the journey. And BTW, I wouldn't take nothing from a journey now. There was a time in my life when I was going through things. I've been through so many things that hurt that I didn't want to go through. I've gone through things that hurt so bad that I just wanted God to take me. Only once in my whole life did I ever consider taking my own life, but it didn't feel good. It hurt. And I said, it's too much. I don't want to face this. I can't carry this. But now, looking back, I, I, now looking back, I wouldn't trade it. 
because I came out wiser and I came out stronger and I learned things about myself I never would have known and I learned things about God and the depths of his mercy and the depth come on somebody and the depths of his grace you ought to get on your feet and the depths of his love come on somebody and praise God for the dark times that he brought you through that the God on the mountain is still God of the valley when things go come on somebody wrong he'll make them right that the God of the good times is God in the bad times and the God of the day is still God of the night I'm thankful that he brought me through I'm thankful for what I've been through I found out stuff about God that I never would have known and I wouldn't trade it now I wouldn't trade it now It broke stuff off of me. And it added stuff to me. And it brought me where I am today. I'm thankful for the infirmity. So now when I hit another roadblock, I look at it differently. Not because it feels good now, but I know what he does with roadblocks. I've had many tears and sorrow. I've had questions for tomorrow. I've had times when I didn't know right from wrong. But through every situation, God gave blessed consolation that my trials only come to make me strong through it all through it all I've learned to trust in Jesus I've learned to trust in God thank you Andre Crouch through it all through it all I've learned to depend upon his word and now I'm grateful now I'm grateful for the battle and I'm grateful for the war and I'm grateful for the pain and I've got to tell you that I don't have wounds anymore and I'm proud of my scars see some of y'all are concerned about your scars no that's a badge of honor a scar is different than a wound a wound is open and a wound is bleeding and a wound is vulnerable. An infection can get in a wound, and a wound still hurts. But a scar says, this is what happened one time, but it got better. This is what happened, but God got me through. This is where I'm healed of what I used to hurt through it all. And I'm thankful. And I'm thankful. I have learned that just because you're down doesn't mean you're out. I have learned that grace is not a rope that I hold. It is a net that catches me. And I have learned that when you are down to nothing, God is up to something. He is God in the trouble. Would you give him a mighty hand clap? Stand on your feet. Singers, musicians, would you come? I want to pray for some people today. I want to agree with you. I want to agree with you for the trouble you're going through. I'm not going to pray that it'll just stop. I'm going to pray for grace to get you through. I'm going to pray that you will learn everything. Listen, never waste a good tragedy. If you have the opportunity of going through a tragedy, you have a blessing that some people don't have. You're going to know stuff that they don't know. You're going to learn stuff about you. You're going to find out who your friends are. You're going to be able to clean up your Facebook list. You ought to quit putting all your stuff on Facebook to begin with. You're going to learn things about God. You're going to learn about grace and mercy.
we're not going to pray the storm away. We're going to pray, God, help us to lean on you in the storm. Now, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as Savior, everything I said means nothing. This whole message means nothing if you do not belong to Jesus. And I can tell you something that's sure. I don't know when trouble's going to come, and I don't know when trouble's going to leave, but statistics show that one out of one does die. One day you are going to leave this earth. One day you are going to leave your body, and this shell made of dust is going to go back to the ground. A mile or more of cars was following the body of Lane Burns to his resting place today. Can I tell you there was nobody in that casket? Lane Burns went where he was going just over a week ago. And that body is only a container. It's only an empty shell. And one day you are going to leave your container you don't know when that's going to happen. You don't get the opportunity to receive salvation after you leave. That is a decision that must be made now on this side. Friend, we are not victims in need of rescue. We are criminals in need of forgiveness. We are sinners in need of a Savior. It doesn't take long looking into the mirror of the Ten Commandments to find out we don't look as good as we think we do. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not covet. You honor the Lord your God above all. We don't have physical relationships outside of marriage. No drunkenness. We may think we're pretty decent because we're honest and we're nice, but when we start to look in the mirror of God's law, we begin to see the manifestation of our heart that we have broken everything that God told us. You can't save yourself. The best you can do is modify your behavior for a little while. But Jesus loved you so much that he left heaven and he came to earth and he said, I will pay the price that was coming to you. He said, I'm going to take the punishment of every wrong thing you've ever done. I'm going to die. Listen, Jesus didn't die for you. He died as you. He died as if it was you hanging on the cross. He paid so you would not have to pay. How do you receive him? How do you receive forgiveness? You simply come to him in faith from your heart and you say, God, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you love me. I know you sent your son Jesus to die for me. And I know he got up from the dead and he's alive. Jesus, wash me, cleanse me, save me, come into my heart. Now, there are people that think, they come to a church service like this, and they think, well, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't promise God. I, I, what if I mess up again? First of all, you're not promising God anything, and you are going to mess up again. Salvation is not you making a promise to God. Salvation is you accepting his promise to you. It's a miracle. It's a supernatural miracle. When you receive Jesus, he moves in. His Holy Spirit comes to live in you. He begins to change you. He begins to break the power of sin. 
and he begins to live through you. This is not you trying to get everything right. God changes your desires. You receive Jesus, and then all of a sudden you say, I don't like that anymore. This thing that used to bring me joy, that doesn't do it anymore. This thing that I used to do to distract my mind from my problems, that doesn't do it for me anymore. You, said, you see, he said, if you drink of that water, you'll thirst again. He said, but if you drink of this living water that I give, you'll never thirst again. I'll satisfy the inside. I'll change you from the inside out. I'll satisfy you. Now, I'll tell you, you're, you're blessed because here in this church, you're in the midst of a people that have zero judgment for you. And you are in a mask-free zone. Nobody here is pretending to be anything that they are not. Everybody's got stuff. Everybody's got trouble. Everybody's got struggles. Everybody has weaknesses. Everybody has problems. And guess what? The, the same grace that I want you to have for me, I have that grace for you. The same mercy that I want you to have for me, I have. And so what are we? We're just a bunch of human beings putting our faith in the blood of Jesus for his righteousness. And we are praying for each other and holding each other up while we all go through this journey together. That's what you're sitting in today. Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons are an encouragement to your life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org and on Facebook and Instagram at The River.